Welcome everyone to our training day. Well done on being the first to arrive. There's probably a few more coming. I've had a few text messages saying, I'm running late. Um, but it's great to have you. Um, we wanted to do a training. Last year I was sitting in the office and I was sort of brainstorming a massive action point list of all the things that I wanted to do at Mary Creek. And one of the first things was training. So this is me ticking off an action point list today. <laughs> but it's also a good goal. Um, yeah, I think um, we've got a lot of really competent people in our church who are experienced in lots of different church settings over their lives. And they've, um, you know, done probably, many of you here would have done many different, you know, roles in your churches and so could all offer training to other people. Nevertheless, I thought, you know, let's still try and gather as a, as a group and um, put on the table, you know, the questions and the issues of, um, you know, what, you know, what are we trying to achieve? How are we going to do it better? How can we help Mary Creek grow um, and uh, achieve the, the big, bigger goals that we've got as a church? So um, just for the next sort of 15 minutes or so, I thought I'd um, try and paint a picture of the whole of what, what the Sunday service is about. Often when I talk to um, people at church, when we're thinking strategically about Sunday services, we can get confused about like what is the purpose of it. When we were planning the church plant, we were sort of working out, is it for outreach? You know, because you can create a Sunday service that's all targeted to the, the non-Christian person. And um, it's also inspiring for the Christian, but really it's targeted to them. Or is it for um, the Christians and our outreach occurs elsewhere? Or is it a bit both? Maybe it's a third thing as well. Um, here's what I think really what the Sunday service is about, the main purpose of it. It's a weekly, regular um, gathering. It's an opportunity of faith development and mutual encouragement. So we gather together and we look at each other and we say, yep, we're all on the journey together. We've just got another week. Let's encourage each other. That's one of the main purposes. And we do that kind of mutual encouragement through partly organised activities like um, liturgy and singing and you know, um, the fellowship and the, and the programmed activity of Sunday service. Um, and we do it partly just by being there, by being present. Um, also, I think one of the great purposes of the Sunday service for us is it's an expression of unity. So when we're there, um, we're saying, you know, Mary Creek, in all its forms, here we are as the body of Christ, a uni united body of Christ. And it's also an opportunity for us to regularly bump into each other. So um, if we don't regularly come to a Sunday service, then we miss out on the opportunity to challenge each other. Right? We miss out on the opportunity to hear each other's stories. Now you might do it during the week, but the Sunday service forces that to occur. It also forces you to be in the presence of people who are not like you. So if you are a part of a community group, the likelihood is that you might become good friends with those people, but um, because of the way these things work in churches, we often sort of gather with people that are a bit like us, you know. Um, but on a Sunday, you're forced to be in that tension of the diversity of the group, the whole. So for example, you can be um, a young adult, for, just to pick on young adults for a second, who loves just to hang out with young adults, but on a Sunday you're there with 
my, my Ezra, who's two and he's going to be annoying and poo his pants. And you're also there with older people who are going to ask more serious questions or just um, ask different questions. And that's actually a really rich, important thing for Christians to do. Um, also, you might be faced with a person who comes in who, who doesn't have the same education as you or different political views or um, different fa family circumstances or who has a mental illness or, you know, all, all, of, all of the above. And so this is an important reason why we meet regularly on a Sunday. So there's a kind of big picture purpose apart from the fact that we're worshipping God, we're, you know, we're, we're devoting a, a chunk of time to him each week which is kind of, the, I guess, the main reason. Now, I want to talk about two things about what kind of Sunday service I want us to have at Mary Creek. Um, and it's just two simple ideas, um, but I think it does summarise it for me, and it encapsulates all the, the things that we do. First of all, um, the word that I harp on about, and I have harped on about since we started Mary Creek, which is joy, joyful. Um, a phrase that I keep, you might have heard me say a lot of times, is I think Sunday services are kind of a rehearsal for heaven. So um, we get, get together and we sing God's praises and we remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross and, we, and we, we do that because we think it's the most important thing in the world. And as, as a result of that, we kind of are rehearsing for the eternity when we'll be in his presence, right? Um, now... It doesn't mean that you always come to church and you're feeling happy or that um, everything's going well in your life or anything like that. That's why it's a rehearsal. It's a rehearsal. And you keep rehearsing until you die. And then, one, and then after, after you die, you're in God's hands. And you can look forward to that eternity of joy. When we look at the Bible and we look at what makes people joyful, um, the most kind of the, the thing that highlights or is most important in the Bible for what brings joy is Jesus himself. So even when you start back in the Old Testament, there's a great amount of joy around from what the prophets say about the future Messiah coming. So they get excited about um, you know, the first and the second coming. If you look at Isaiah, for example, um, in Isaiah 35, he talks about the effects of sin being removed. He talks about the wilderness and the dry land blossoming. He talks about streams coming forth from the desert. He looks forward to a time when this future Messiah will come. It'll be great joy. And then when we get to the Messiah coming in Luke, for example, chapter 2, we see people surrounding the birth of the child, great joy um, in the incarnation. And when Jesus begins his ministry, he does the things that the prophets say he's going to do. Um, he heals the sick. He, um, you know... Uh, brings restoration to people, gives people forgiveness of their sins, and the, the eyes of the blind are opened, you know, and uh, the lame man can leap for joy like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy, it says in Isaiah 35. All these things happen when Jesus started his ministry and started walking around. And when he brought transformation and restoration, good news for the poor, freedom for the slaves, the year of God's favour, vengeance on evil, injustice and oppression. Um, so, if we're going to think about joy in our Sunday service, we've got to think about that, the source of that actually being Jesus, not anything else. Um, sometimes we can get trapped as Sunday service makers of thinking we can cultivate joy in other ways, apart from Jesus. 
So we can create joy machines. Um, so, you know, I mean, the Pentecostals became experts at that in the 1990s and the 2000s, didn't they? Creating joy machines. Perhaps you could argue that um, high church um, forms of liturgy is a kind of a joy machine. It's a, it's a performance that could be separated from Jesus if you, if you weren't careful. Even, I would say, in the evangelical tradition, um, the preacher can accidentally flip from being about you know, promoting the good news to being about a joy creator by the way they preach. Um, so we've got to remember that joy is the, sorry, Jesus is the source of that joy, right? Um, and it's the other things that I talked about, the liturgy, the singing, the preaching, the, the, the food, um, they're all there to serve um, Jesus as the source of our joy. And I actually think, and I've been saying this all along, I'll say it again, that joy is the silver bullet solution to um, most of the discipleship issues that we will probably face at Mary Creek, right? I think. So it's always Dave, Rob smiling. I'm not sure if that's an agreement that's or. What you're say. Yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> I can't tell if that's an agreement or, or, or uh, in, uh, you should never say the word silver bullet solution. Um, <laughs> what I mean by that is when a lot of the kind of issues that I feel like we face from a discipleship point of view at Mary Creek, it's around um, people who, are, who maybe had something to do with the church and are burnt people who are apathetic about their faith, people who are not really sure of um, you know, how much they want to be obedient to Jesus, right? And what can happen is a cynicism can build and um, then if that occurs in your church setting, a lot of other things are going to be problematic. You're not going to be able to do mission, for example, very easily. Because no one's going to want to tell people about Jesus Who's, if they're feeling cynical, if they're feeling apathetic, if they're not sure, if they're critical. Um, they, I think, and so, so what, what I think is that when you see a joyful Christian, a person who's really genuinely joyful because of what Jesus has done, they, um, that, that, it, that cuts through that cynicism, cuts through the apathy. It's, it's the ultimate, if you're having, even in an evangelism context, if you're having a conversation with a person who's against what you're saying, or maybe you know, they say, I'm not a Christian and I don't agree with you, but at least you might not have the best argument, but if there's a genuine joy in your faith, that will come through. So I think it's really important that um, Sunday services create a sense of joy around Jesus. Um, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you look at a... a a married couple, when they're deeply in love with each other, they have a joy, right? And you look at them, you don't even have to ask what they think of each other. And I think the same thing goes for Christians. That's not always easy. We go through patches of our life when we're struggling, when we go through dry phases, we go through phases when we're um, in huge doubt, when we're suffering, maybe we've got depression for a period. That's not necessarily... Um, Mutually exclusive from the joy that you have in having in your faith. And the, the idea is that, not that we will always be on cloud nine in our faith. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I am suggesting we should at least rehearse like we are. 
you know, we should we should rehearse it as if we, we, we you know we can come and we can. I, I sometimes will preach it, and that day I'll be feeling oh, there's lots of things going on, but I, I feel like it's important to rehearse, to believe it, even if you're not necessarily that day feeling it. Um, so. Yeah, and, yeah, let's just remember also the, the reverse can be true that a church can have amazing music, it can have beautiful architecture, glossy hip brushes, and um, me, um, <laughs> and not joy. It can have no, no joy. So it can have, you know, uh, kind of an artificial joy. So the sorts of things that we do, I think, to try and help that joy um, be centered on Jesus is. Um, the sorts of things we do with the kids, I think. I think there's definitely a joy amongst the kids around what they do on Sundays with um, the kids' program. Um, they often come down and they're smiling and they're holding up their artwork and they're showing off all the things they've learnt. And I think that's definitely helping them develop joy. And I know, just to talk about my own boys, they always look forward to going to church because of that's one of the main reasons. Um, and I think also the music uh, helps the joy. So um, we've purposefully chosen not to sing other styles of music that are more sort of navel-gazing in style and, and sort of, you know, going into yourself and, you know, thinking about the, the deep stuff of life, but just sing, sing more joyful songs partly because we're trying to enhance the joy and point to Jesus with, with joyfulness. Um, not having the service go too long, I think, promotes <laughs> joy. Because services that go on and on and on then result in people going, oh, you know, and because we've got people with, you know, lots of families and it's, it's hard when, once it goes on past an hour and a half and usually it's an hour and 15. I think we have a light touch in our services um, so it's not really concrete and rigid in its formality. It's got some formality, but it's actually quite light in its touch. And I think that promotes the joy. I think the hospitality promotes great joy. So um, when we finish our service and, and people go um, and share in a you know, cake, one of Anaheim's creations, and coffee, there's a, there's a sense of joy around that. Involving people promotes joy. Um, so having a role, and then, and then smiling as well. So there's a, there's a sense in which Mary Creek is a happy church visually, I would say, just from looking around. People aren't sitting there, which a lot of churches they do. There's joy. My second point is engaging, and it's smaller, so it won't go on too long. Um, as well as joyful, I want our services to be engaging, and I've got sub-points to this. Five, five sub-points, to be precise. <laughs> Engaging means partly welcoming. So welping, welcoming people who don't look like the majority. And I think this is an aspirational goal for me. I think there's, there's times we're good at it and times where we forget. And as we go into two years, into our, into our third year, um, it's going to get harder as we go along, as we form more intimate, um, closer friends to actually not just use our Sunday service time just to be focused on people we like the most, but to be always um, looking out to the new people. It's, um, so I hear a mix of good and, and not so good stories, but we have a strategy in place to try and help that along, which is the, the new welcoming team. Um, 
And part of welcoming is what it feels like to arrive. It's not just the people on the roster, but it's, is it easy to find the entrance? Do I feel awkward when I arrive? Um, what happens when I get there? I've got here at five to 10, I'm the new person, no one's here. Does that feel welcoming, you know? Um, do I feel like I fit in here? You know, I look around at other faces and I'm looking for faces that look a little bit like mine. Um, are people judging me is a question many of you may not realise people ask, but they do ask that. They think I'm from a non-conventional family in their mind. I'm not, I'm not um, you know, it's often I'm not married, I don't have kids, or, you know, um, uh, you know I've, I've got a black face, there's lots of white faces here, or, you know, um, I'm not a Christian, <laughs> do I fit in here? Does anyone actually... Are people judging me? And um, do my kids feel welcomed is probably, for anyone who's got kids, that's more what they're worried about. Um, now, <coughs> we're not perfect at this, but we, we, we're doing a good job. And we need to work harder at this and harder at this and just keep reminding ourselves of, of how we can create a context in which, as best as we can, people do feel welcomed. So that's part of engaging, is the, the, the welcoming aspect of our church. Accessible as well is part of what it means to be engaging. So making the booklet easy to follow along. Um, I think it's important that Sunday services are accessible. That's what the Reformation sort of worked hard at. Said so these are old forms of worship that the Roman Catholic Church are doing in Latin, you know, focusing on the priests, not accessible. Reformation brought in accessibility, but then it's easy for us to do lots of things to make it not accessible. So our liturgy is not too floral, you know what I mean by that? Not too fancy. Um, I, we're, we're trying to have a service that works better for the kids and that's one of the kind of key goals for the first few months of this year is to just really improve on that. Um, so, um, yep. so um, for example, uh, we're, we're talking about the sort of stuff outside the time of when the kids program. Uh, are the service leaders engaging with the kids, you know? Are the, um, kid, do the kids feel like this is my church or do they feel like they're just waiting for the first 10 minutes and then they're going to shove us upstairs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not a kid, you probably don't think about these questions. Um, and having not too much jargon or in-jokes and music that is singable, that's all part of being accessible, which is all part of being engaging. Right. Thirdly, authenticity. So being real and normal, that's what I mean. So there is a sense that the Christians here, I reckon at Mary Creek, are fairly normal, I think. It's hard when you are one of them to know if you're right about that assessment. But I don't think we're too churchy. Hands up if you disagree. If it hands up if you disagree with me, you can. Are we, are, we, are we normal? Okay, hands up if you think we're normal. Hands up if you think we're normal. Um, okay, what I mean by normal, I mean... Um, are we like too churchy? I don't mean normal. I mean normal, are we weird, weirdo churchy people? Or are we religious, you know, religious types? Or, or do I just feel like I could relate to these people? I feel like that's all I mean by normal. I don't mean... Yeah. Um, I think we are. I think we are, but I think we've got to keep working on it. Part of that is creating a sense of being at home. You know, authenticity is like... Can people feel at home? Um, so this is why when I preach, I try and connect people's everyday lives with the Bible. Um, I think part of authenticity is revealing our doubts and our struggles. 
our brokenness, that we're all sinners in need of God, in need of God's grace. That's one thing that can counteract that authenticity is that the projection that we're all perfect. I think we struggle a little bit with that. I think there, there's, we still have a bit of a middle class. My life is going really well, I think. But, you know, we're working on it. The, the last two things are challenging and focus. So challenging, I want people to be convicted at church. That's why we have the confession. That's why we have communion every second week, partly just to remind people over and over again of what Jesus has done and their need for forgiveness. That's why we have Bible teaching that applies. To you, that might sound an obvious thing, but when you do a church plant, everything's up in the air. You don't necessarily have to have a sermon. I mean, I think you do, but people debate these things. Maybe we should have a dialogue, they say. You know, maybe we should have a Bible study. Maybe we should have, you know, a panel discussion because we're in the 21st century and it sounds modern, um, postmodern. But I think preaching helps it be challenging. And I think the liturgy helps it be challenging. It engages the mind. Um, So, you know, um, if you are a person who is in the inner north, I think a lot of inner north people are educated and they want to have their minds engaged. Um, That's why we have prayers that are well written. Creeds. And the last thing is focused. So, um, what I mean by focused is, so we took the screen away from our Sunday services because I thought that's going to help us to be more focused. I'm not sure if I'm right, but I think I'm right. Um, Because screens, I feel, promote disengagement because we spend all day in front of screens flicking between one and the other. And if we have another big rectangle one, but if we have another big rectangle one up at church, is that triggering something in the mind to become disengaged? I don't know. But it's, I, I'm, I, people seem to enjoy it. The number of people who come to our church and say, I really enjoyed not having a screen is amazing. And the booklet helps us to be focused too. Um, it helps people to know where we're up to and what's coming next. And we've even done a few things to try and, lately, to try and even make it more clear. Um, just little things you probably haven't even noticed. Um, it encourages people to take notes of the booklet. It helps people to um, remember what they did at church if they take it home. Some people take it home and use it kind of for their quiet times. Um, it informs people about the notices. So joyful and engaging. That's kind of the goal for us in those services. Um, now what we're going to do now is break.